Good evening and welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, Steve Hasty, and Mitch, the three amigos. Good evening, lads. How are you? Very well. Evening. Doing all right, all things considered. Yeah, well, that's it. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. And uh, great um, great to be back on a Friday night. Another 90 minutes show tonight. Unfortunately, Dunstan have chosen to play once again on a Friday night at home. So uh, I've got to cut the show slightly short to go along and see the lads play Morpeth. So uh, looking forward to that again. Uh, and just a little bit about last week's game. I mean, uh, tight game against Blythe, uh, Blythe Spartans. Got beat 2-1, but... Um, yeah, they're, they're putting themselves in against you know teams in higher divisions and uh, lot yeah just a lot to enjoy about the whole the whole process of going back to a football match and I think that's why I think it'd be good to start with you know the potential Steve um, of getting back to the game at St James's Park and I know you've had a an email which you shared with me and um, with Neil uh, over over the last few days from Newcastle United about potential. You know the potential, um, you know, return to St James's Park for fans. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. It's the first communication I think we've had uh, as supporters uh, or as a supporters group from the club, um, probably since well, certainly since the lockdown. Um, and uh, proposing to hold a Zoom meeting with members of, who were on the previous fans forum um, and people who have continued with some of the focus groups uh, next Tuesday to. Talk about plans that I presume they've got in place or they're proposing to put in place and asking advice on and guidance on or thoughts about um, on how we should uh, be returned to St. James's Park. Um, no idea of what numbers they're talking about. No idea what the structure is going to be. Um, no idea on what their initial thoughts are. There's been nothing put out in the way of an agenda. But what it does show is that there are there are plans afoot, there are moves afoot, rather, put it that way, um, for to consider um, sometime in October, support has been welcomed back into St James's Park in some shape or form. Um, so I think that the most important thing from Newcastle fans between now and Tuesday is to perhaps let us as support as as the three of us either you know through dms and private messages or um through some of the fan groups that are out there to uh, to give us their thoughts i know we did put something out on nufc fans united about it um got some strange comments some people said that the perfect time to boycott uh, we've had that uh, a lot of people saying they're never going back we've had people saying that um, they think it should be um, only season ticket holders that are on the 10-year plan. And um, the problem is we've got no idea what sort of numbers they're talking about. I mean, bearing in mind the ground holds 52,000, and you could probably scatter, you know, at least a, what, a third uh, into the ground, probably more than that, uh, and still have social distancing in some way, shape or form. Uh, that's on the terrace or on in the seat. The question is what their plans are outside of that uh, in the concourses and in in various other areas of the ground and the toilets etc so that's it's going to be an interesting uh interesting tuesday night uh, and then following on mm. uh, i mean from my perspective you know do i have do i have like super fans do i i mean you know we have we have a lot of people who go to away games, Steve. Um, I, I, I would imagine that the numbers are in the in the hundreds as opposed to thousands of obviously people who go to every away game. You're talking possibly 250, 300, I think. If if I remember rightly, back in the day was like the the elite who never missed a game. You're talking about 
sadly, people like you know the Undertaker who used to go to every single game. You know, uh, never missed it, never never missed a match, never missed a ticket. You're talking about Biffa from NUFC.com, who you know, uh, you know, more or less goes to every single game. So you know, uh, those people you would imagine will you, you would imagine they'd be a shoe in, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, that's it. I mean, we don't know whether there's going to be a ballot. We don't know whether there are there are loyalty points to take into consideration. Or obviously, there's no such thing as a loyalty point at home. There is loyalty points for people who travel away. There hasn't been any discussion on, or not that I'm aware of, on on travelling the games, away games. Um, I don't know how it's going to impact fans who uh, live a fair distance from St James's Park, whether they're classed as home fans or whether they've got some sort of criteria that the government's going to lay down on that in terms of travelling up to, up to football games. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of questions that are that are, are certainly going to be raised uh, by the idea of coming back to football grounds. It's not as simple as just saying, right, well, you know, every season ticket holder, bearing in mind, is 36,000. Um, we'll, we'll be in with a chance. There will be some... Uh, who perhaps don't want to go back because of health uh, reasons. You know, they might have underlying conditions. Um, there's the other question of how do you handle families? What about family groups? What about people who travel, you know, with their kids? You know, maybe there's a family group. Uh, I, I, I go with George, uh, Neil's dad, you know. Will we be able to sit together? Will there be will there be some embargo on George because of his age, perhaps? I don't know. Will George want to go? Uh, another, another question, but he has to be given the option. People like George have to be given the option if they're if they're season ticket holders uh, of of coming to St James's Park and and, and watching a game. Um, so there's a lot a lot of questions um, that that I think are going to be raised by this, and I'm really really interested. Not just in yeah, you know, the, the, I can understand the salty comments or the the, the flippancy of uh, well, I'm never going back. Uh, it's been rubbish anyway. Um, you know, it's a perfect time. Boy, I understand all that, but the the, the question is, it's it's happening. So yeah. that's, why we, that's why we need to talk about it. If we can't just forget about it, it needs to be talked about, and everybody needs to have an input into this who wants to go. Um, it can't be some sort of decision behind closed doors. Although I, I I'm making an assumption that this is there's decisions have been made, and they were going to be presented with someone and saying choose X, Y, or Z. You know, because this is what. First week in October that we're talking about. Yeah. Obviously, all of that could go out the window, couldn't it? If, for example, uh, as has happened in Leeds today, they're talking about a lockdown of, of the city um, because of a rise in COVID. I know that there's been rises in the Gateshead area, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Leicester, they're talking about another lockdown there. I mean, there's two Premier League clubs straight away that could be that could have problems and their plans could go out the window. Um, so let's see where it takes us. But It'd be interesting to see what sort of questions if, if people come up with suggestions tonight, you know. That would be there's that one, there's one on there's one on the screen, Steve, which you should take in. Marty Lawrence, ask for volunteers to defer. I'm an OAP with underlying conditions. I would happily defer for a while if it meant I kept my ticket long term. So yeah, I think that's straight. a key, Steve. That's a big key, isn't it? You know, it's all well and good if you're a season ticket holder, but people will be worried that they're going to lose the opportunity to come back when everything's clear. They want to keep their seat, they want to keep their ticket, um, and they want, they want that guarantee that when it's all over, we'll go back to, back to what was the norm, if you like, with the same people in the same area. And I think that's a, that, that's a very, very important uh, point that has been raised there, very important indeed, and certainly something I'll mention. 
Yeah, Mitch, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not really the first thing on a lot of people's agenda um, at this moment in time. Obviously, COVID is still, you know, still quite prevalent in the news headlines and people, you know, people still getting infected. No vaccine on the horizon over here. And of course, lockdown, you know, happening in certain areas. And, you know, it's 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 definitely the last thing on on a lot of people's minds but some people will just want to get back to the normality of being able to go to St James's Park um you know how you know how do you pick people somebody suggested earlier there I think it was Tomlin just suggesting that we you know we essentially do it on a a rotor basis on season ticket holders which would seem like the obvious thing to do um but you know where where do you start it's it's really difficult because we don't know what numbers we're talking about first that, that's the first thing we need to have an idea of is is what what the numbers are at. Like I, I think I probably mentioned a couple of times over the last few weeks, one of my contacts who's closely connected to Stevenage said that they were told they were going to get five percent of that that, that that support back in. That's four hundred people. Now that's obviously I suspect they're doing it club by club based on facilities etc. and how you can distance people. Um, so that's the first thing you need to know is how many. And then we've almost got this hierarchical thing amongst the fan base. And, and, and I get it and I understand it. I think my attitude on it's changed over the last few years since becoming more expat um, and, and, and being distanced from it a little bit. Um, and particularly, it's interesting, we had this chat, chat last night. We were talking um, with a Liverpool fan, an Everton fan. Uh, there was a Chelsea fan there and a few Geordies together and uh, we were talking about the Liverpool supporters club here in Dubai um, because the, the Everton lad was getting quite wound up because some of them had asked him but you're from Liverpool why don't you support Liverpool and some of these lads didn't have a clue that Everton were even in the same city as Liverpool which is you know but on the other side of that the Liverpool fans just accept that and they're quite accepting and, and, and they understand it and yes they've had global fan base bigger than many for years. They've certainly had a presence in this region for years. And so the, the expat scousers tend to be, um, tend to not judge fans being a better fan or a worse fan, because that's something that I feel happens with our fan base sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the for me, part of the essence of some of the divisions that Mike Ashley's used to prize those cracks open over time. And why the fan base that we have sometimes gets quite agitated with itself over things that really we shouldn't, we should just let go. Um, and, and this is going to be another one of those point, sticking points if they don't handle it right. Um, so I think fair play to Lee Marshall for reaching out to everybody and saying, right, we need to have some input about how we're going to work this out. You know, Lee gets a lot of stick, but he, he, he does an impossible job. And he's also very often hamstrung by the people above him. You know, it's a, it, it, he's in a very tricky place. Um, and so I think I, I, I for one, would, would reiterate re- with Steve, you know, reach out to us. Um, and, and if we can feed things in, if you've got ideas and if you've got a, got, Colin's quite right, you, it, it is a minefield because you can't keep everybody happy and you won't keep everybody happy. You're going to upset some people. You're, it, it's a no-win situation in some respects. But I think there's got to be some sort of process Um whereby we can work these things out um, because the, the passions that we have do overrun sometimes. Um, and it's, it's, it's not 
it's e- easy for me to step away from it because I am geographically distant. And so, you know, I'm, I, is this fan better than that fan? It, 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 I think we try to say this when we were doing the trust roadshows and the NUSC roadshows. You know, we were setting something up that was for anybody who had been in every game, 100 games, 10 games or no games. You can still be a supporter of the club if that's what you do and you do it in your own way. And I think we've lost sight a little bit of some of that, um, personally. And I think it's good that we're going to try and find a way to work this out to get some return to normality because the, the game is not the same. The fans' absence has been very much noticeable. Um, it ain't the same. And it's very, very difficult. And it, and it must be difficult for the players to, to respond the same way without a fan base there and a crowd there. Um, but equally then you see some of the things that they're saying is about, um, you know, you can come to the ground, but no chanting, no singing. Um, what? <laughs> you know, no. it's, it's, it's like asking a tiger to not bite your hand off. It, 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 it's, that's really very difficult. Um, so I'd, I'd be interested to see how some of the ideas that come up, because I think we do have to try and find a way to help each other on this. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd I'd agree, lads. I'd agree. Um, you know, great, yeah, great to see, as I say, potentially supporters coming back into the ground. But as Steve said right at the start of the program, if anybody's got any ideas, anyone's got any suggestions, please ping them through. Uh, we'll stick them on the screen. Steve can see them and he can take them away to the uh, the online meeting um, uh, this week. And hopefully, there's some kind of uh, some kind of fair resolve to something which obviously could easily split the supporters down the middle. Um, Plenty to talk about, as always. We'll try and get through as many people's questions as possible. I see a lot of people commenting already on the arrival of Ryan Fraser, um, obviously in Newcastle now, to have talks with with Steve Bruce. So let's talk a little bit about football, Steve. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not been a great week for the football team. Um, you know, an embarrassing defeat, uh, although they've toned it down and said it was just a practice game. Um, had the one five one would have been quite as eager to call it a practice game. I'm not so sure, but a rather embarrassing defeat against Middlesbrough five one. The captain Lascelles obviously being dismissed from the field of play with one of Borough's players, um, and then subsequently we've had a lot of injuries. We had we had injuries anyway. We had a. Uh, a striker in Joe Linton who was missing in action without any comment from the club whatsoever as to where he was and what he was doing. Uh, he's now arrived back. Uh, but we've now got uh, further injuries, which are, you know, already adding to a, a dilapidated squad with, you know, the season fast approaching. So, yeah, it's never dull at Newcastle, Steve. It's certainly not, is it? I mean, we, we thought we were in the first leg of two, didn't we? And then, and then they cancelled the game. They were supposed to be at Borough on Monday and it's been cancelled, hasn't it? We're playing Stoke tomorrow. Um, one o'clock kickoff. Apparently, not that anybody's going to be there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, for me, the Dubravka one started it. You know, when when I heard that Dubravka was injured, I thought, oh, that's not good. He's been hurt in training, or he's been he's gone overseas and and he he's tweaked an ankle or something like that. And then it then transpires that he came back, reported to the club that he had an injury, and then they, they sent him out training for two or three days, um, which. You know, when somebody comes back and says they're injured, you would normally think, well, the first protocol is going to be the the physio room and the fitness table, and somebody's going to look at it and go, great, you know, do we do we need you pushing yourself in the first three days back 
Do I need you running up those sand dunes and up those hills and, you know, run through Castle Farm or whatever that whatever they do these days? I don't know. They used to run around Jalink Neal's estate and, and you know, and go all over the place. But, you know, we, we, we suddenly find that he's he's been pushed and pushed and then there's been like a breakdown. Now, I remember being at the training ground when Rafa was doing training sessions and uh, Lascelles didn't turn up. And we said the first one of the first questions that Bill asked was, oh, where's Lascelles? And he went, uh, came in this morning, uh, said he had a little tweak, so Lascelles is in with the physios. Um, Dummett's out here, but he will only be out for 20 minutes because that's all I want him to do. And then he's going to be going back in because I don't want them doing those extra the two next sessions that we do because they don't suit the way that the that we're we're planning on running those sessions won't suit the injury that he's been carrying. Um there's also no sign of so and so else because he he's I think it was it was Gail. You'll not see Gail today because again the injury that Gail's had, I think I'd rather keep him to one side. Whereas it would appear with Bruce, it's like yeah like it's like like being at school, isn't it? You know, you turn up at Turn up a fight last night with your flimsies, and you're sent out running, you know, and running and running, you know, three out as four in as, and then, and then, and then you get back and and you know that type of thing, you know, it just it seems very unprofessional. And then to hear that you're getting injuries so quickly, in you know, yes, you'd normally hear of of players coming back, and I know that they haven't had much of a layoff, but and and you can understand little tweaks and and stuff like that. But to me. The whole the whole question of of how it, how the club operates, um, just beggars belief at times. I you talk about Fraser. You, you mentioned there that Fraser's come and he's talking to Steve Bruce. I did put on Twitter. Well, the only thing Steve Bruce could approve would be that he's allowed to get some sort of uh, family rail card to allow him to travel up with LNER uh, up to Aberdeen during the week with the family. Because apart from that. that you know, Bruce will have nothing to do with any transfer discussion in our terms and conditions. It's not the old days where, you know, Joe Harvey would nip down to, to you know, Lehman Bar or somewhere like that and meet them in a pub uh, or at a hotel in, in, at Scotch Corner and say, right, this is what your terms are, lads. You know, this is what you're coming for, right? Get yourself home and there's the there's the money for the train for tomorrow when you've told the wife that you're trans transferred, that type of thing. Oh, I mean, it doesn't work like that anymore. It works through agents. It works through, it works with the directors. It works through Charnley and only Charnley and perhaps with a bit of input from Steve Nixon, you know, who will be saying... Right. Well, if he doesn't agree with that, then we'll go to we'll go to number two on the list, or in Newcastle's case, number twenty-two on the list. You know, because that, that's the way it operates, isn't it? You know, um, it it's just it's just crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I I I can't remember. There's been so many. How many players have been linked with just this week? You know, yeah. And then, and I know we always get linked with somebody, but it just seems to be getting linked with like. You know, names that you've never heard of, people that you've never heard of that all of a sudden somebody tells you is absolutely brilliant and outstanding and had a great time since January when their particular league in Kazakhstan came back or something like that, you know. Look great on YouTube, basically. Yeah, Bizwidget says, uh, what, do, what, do we, what, do we think, what do we think about Sassolo Rogerio? Well, to be honest, I don't know anything about him. That, that's, what I, that's what I think. Me um, either. Uh, I went mean, on holiday once, and God knows where it was, but I'm sure I went there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, George says the Bruce hatred is getting boring now, lads. I, look, I, I don't hate Steve Bruce at all. I just, uh, you know, you've got to be honest. Um, you know, we're trying not to uh, be too critical. And, you know, the ball hasn't been kicked yet this season. Uh, and I think um, if you go back through the episodes of the Three Amigos, certainly we've been more than fair to Steve Bruce. And we've, you know, certainly... Eating humble pie, I think, is what I've done in, in plentiful amounts by saying, you know, essentially it's, uh, you know, a job well done by him last year under difficult circumstances. Um, you know, what happens next season, of course, is, 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 is a new season. But I don't think we've been, Mitch, I don't think we've been too critical of Steve well, Bruce on here. I, I think we've given a fair crack of the whip. We've always said he's, he took a job that was an unenviable job to take. Um However, I think we've got to be fair to criticise where it's due. Um, yeah. We're certainly not cheerleaders for anybody. Um, I mean, there's, there's certain journalists who are very much Steve Bruce cheerleaders. You know, we're talking about injuries in his. If you look at his inj- injury record with his squads through his whole career, the, yeah. the data is there. The, the facts are there. It, it it comes up time and time again that he is constantly using the phrase, "Well, we've been unlucky with injuries so far this season." He's done it at Sunderland, he's done it at Villa, he's done it at Birmingham. <laughs> you know, um, that was just the three I saw. So, you know, it, it's worrying. And the other thing that worries me is it's patently obvious we need a striker and a left back. And we're just over a week away from the start of the season and we've addressed neither. Yeah. You know, if, yeah, if yeah. Fraser Sainz, Fraser Sainz is a good player, from my point of view, he's better than some of what we've got. So you're always looking to improve the squad. It's not that long ago that I think Arsenal were talking about paying 20 million for the lad, you know. Um, so he's obviously got something. Um, but that would be two midfielders and a, and a teenage keeper. Yeah. And we're crying out for a left back and a striker. Yeah. And that has not been addressed. That said, we've had so much disruption to the close season because of everything else going on in and around the club. Um, where do we go from here? And this is the problem. Quite right, Richard. Shambles, top to bottom. Yeah. Shambles. No, no it, it, it is a shambles, top to bottom. And I think, um, you know, until a lot of people asking us about the T word, is the takeover still on? And have you spoken to Amanda? Same questions that I get, you know, more or less every night of the week on this show. And uh, yeah, I, I've said I've said to everybody, takeover, as far as I'm concerned, is still very, very active. And, you know, we will hear something uh, one way or another um, in due course. And it won't be too much longer, I don't think. I think we might hear something before the start of the season. Uh, I might be wrong, but if I am wrong, you know, it'll not be the first time. So let's wait and see what happens on that. Yeah, there's no reason to give false competence, and that's certainly not what we'd want to do. But, um, you know, it's not over till uh, it's over. Put it that way. Uh, Steve, can I, can I add something to that, Steve? Yeah. Go for it. One Go thing for I, would, it. I would say from my experience of dealing with people over here who've been connected to everything that's going on. Um, the passion for the club and the straightforwardness shines through in everything that they do. When everybody's stamping their feet and crying for a, a statement now, there's a myriad reasons why they may not be able to give a statement. Many of them are probably legal. Um, yeah. And I'm quite sure, one way or another, a statement will be made that will address absolutely everything that fans are wanting addressed. And so, yeah. just be that little bit more patient um, and let's see what comes of it all. That, that's, again, like you, not to sit here and be accused of giving false hope and things like that. Um, yeah. 
but pe- people shouldn't be getting distressed about the fact that there's silence because it is golden for me at the minute. That's my personal take on it. Yep, no, I agree. Uh, Steve, we were just talking there a little bit about, um, you know, people potentially doing the opposite, uh, you know, uh, with Steve Bruce and, you know, praising him to the hilt when, you know, at times he's, he has, you know, made a bit of a mess of things. Um, you were watching Sky Sports uh, transfer talk today, weren't you? And uh, you wanted to bring up a point a, a point about that. And, and it does involve journalists, I suppose, in, in, in what you're about to say. Yeah, I mean, the... the... They come up with with all sorts of facts and figures, don't they? You know, they, they rattle off all sorts of crazy, crazy things. Um, I, I watched an argument just earlier about Lionel Messi and somebody backtracking on what he said just a few days ago about Lionel Messi and about how he was, you know, destined where he was destined for and how how it was all gonna 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 phase out. And I, I found that sort of really interesting. Um, but it's this cheerleader business. It's it's certain reporters out there who seem to be wanting a cheerleader, um, Bruce, and but also want to tell us as supporters that we should be getting behind them. You know, well, it, it's not it's not the reporters that pay to go into St James's Park. It's not the reporters who who stand there you know, for ninety or sit there for ninety minutes or cheer the team on. It's us. It's the, it's we are the supporters, but they're telling us that what we should be doing and what we should be saying and what we should be putting up with, you know. And I find that's kind of, you know, kind of it sticks in me through. It's it's quite galling to, to hear that sort Steve, of comment from them, you know. Yeah, Neil. Steve, we've had we've had this all the time, you know. We've, we've talked about this again here, and here a few times. The same people that were telling us we should be grateful for Mike Ashley and shut yeah. up and thank him for what he was doing, then suddenly were telling us to stand up and rise up in one because of human rights issues and TV piracy and things that are absolutely nothing to do with us. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with us. And yet they keep telling them what to do. And then they, they're the same people who tell us we're deluded when yeah. all we actually want to do is see what team compete for something and show some passion and pride and feel invested and cared for. You know, and they're the same ones who talk about 30 years of hurt for Liverpool when they've won more trophies. They've been in two competitions we've never been in, and yet they tell us we're deluded. It's the same people, the same people that go on and on and on. They've got this preset conception about what Newcastle United fans are and aren't and do and don't want, and they put words in my mouth constantly. They don't represent where they don't allow where to be represented. That's right. They tried to set an agenda. I mean, this one particular piece this morning, they were talking about. They were talking about in the in the transfer window. Who's the who's the best left uh, right back out there that, that the likes of Manchester United or Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea could go for? Who's the, who's the best? You know, who do you think? So the reporter asks the question to his two Sky News reporter colleagues sitting alongside him. And one of them, in all seriousness, there was it wasn't it wasn't said as a joke. It wasn't said in in a in a flippant or, or manner in any way, shape, or form. But he turned around and he said, "Well, for me, the best right back in the world in world football at the moment is Lucy Bronze." And I like <laughs> what? I, I mean, it's a totally different game for a start. It's it's women's football as opposed to men's football, right? So. But he's he's coming out with that, and you're thinking, why have you? What made you say that? For a start, Lucy Bronze couldn't play in the Premier League. It's it, it it's just not possible, you know. 
Secondly, we're talking about men's professional football, not women's professional. She is probably the best right back in women's football. She's just won the Champions League for the third time, I think, with either the second or third club that she's played at. Um, and she's now available and possibly turning up at Chelsea or Man City or somewhere like that. Great, brilliant. You know, that that's 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 brilliant for her. But for a for a sky reporter on a program talking about the transfer window and about about Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham, the top six, because that's all they talk about. And they might throw they might throw Villa into the mix because they're making bids on people that we are supposed to be interested in, you know, in the shape of Wilson and people like that. But you think in Take it seriously, lads. How we, man? Take it seriously. Was it a wind up? Was it? Did I miss something? Did I miss something there? Because I was completely bamboozled by it. You know, I'm still mopping the coffee up off the floor. To be quite honest, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And that's 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 that, that the quality of 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 reporting and the quality of of of, of Sky and that transfer window. Program or the transfer centre, as they call it, that they're now going to be on every day at ten o'clock and at seven o'clock at night for the next thirty-one days. You know, if that's not enough to make you switch Sky off or, yep. dump, or dump your Sky subscription and go to, go to some IPTV through your dongle or whatever it might happen to be called or whatever you've got in terms of a little box, then. <laughs> Bring it on. That's the way it's going to have to be because you cannot put up with rubbish like that anymore, quite frankly. <laughs> no, Mitch, I want to ask you about the uh, the Chinese television deal. Uh, you know, we've we've said for the last few weeks, there seems to be a hell of a lot going on in the background, but also a hell of a lot going on in plain sight. Uh, we've seen FIFA come out and, you know, say that a, a state owning a football club, um, you know, wouldn't be an issue. We've seen uh, piracy deals been sorted out here, there and everywhere. Now we've seen the, the termination of the Premier League TV deal in China. Is this just another another part of this? Is it just a coincidence? You know, is, 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 a, is there a power play going on? You know, and, and, and Newcastle's, Newcastle's takeover is going to benefit from this kind of thing. It certainly could, in my opinion. Um, it shows the Premier League are not perhaps in as strong a position as they believed they were. UEFA, um, not FIFA. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> um, I think with the uh, termination of the deal, um, Steve and I talked about something earlier today where, you know, magically they're in talks with Man United's YouTube partner about possibly providing some sort of service with them. <sighs> That's magic, isn't it? Yeah. How that, that connection comes up. Isn't that strange? Um but equally, you know, things like, for example, if there's a hiatus and there isn't any football available, are you going to see an increase in illegal streaming in China? And what are the Premier League going to do about it? And what are they going to do about teams which have money coming into them from China now they've made such a big deal over piracy? And I think the other thing that could get, make it interesting is if, I, if, I'm, if I'm right, people can correct this here, I think being sports have some of the regions for places like Thailand and, and Malaysia, nearby to China, um, are we going to suddenly start seeing their feeds nicked and taken into China? And are they going to make as much a fuss about it? it it's, there's an absolute 
it, it, the more we talk about it and the more we get sent stuff and the more we dig into things, you suddenly realise you've gone from play, playing noughts and crosses to 3D chess and you haven't got a half a clue what the blinking rules are. And, and the, the more that comes out, like, oh, this company's going to take over the rights potentially. Um, and you see the links to Man United. And you're like, hang on, are you just carving this all up by yourselves? Is, is, it, is there a bit of a cartel feel going on here? Because I, I want to try and not get dragged into conspiracy theories and things like that. But then the more that comes out and the more you see, it's hard not to. And I get why some fans go right off the deep end about it. Because it's... it's mm-hmm. I'm not a believer in coincidence. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think, Steve? I mean, it's interesting to see these things happening, and um, you know, I, I I personally feel it's all it's all linked in some way, and I think it'll only benefit a potential takeover at Newcastle. I think it'll give Masters that little bit of wriggle room that he needs to be able to come back to the table and say, well, actually, uh, we found a way that we can do this, you know, and uh, you know, I I personally feel that that's what we'll eventually see this deal go through at some time. I think you're right, Steve. I think I think that's 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 quite a possibility. What's interesting with the Chinese TV situation is that Suning, who owned the rights to the Chinese um, PPTV, <clears throat> whatever they call it, IPTV, um, that they broadcast it through. Um, they've they've refused to pay the 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 money that were, they felt as though that they didn't need to pay, um, because of the, of the time that they've of lockdown from from March until. The games that the season that's just finished, and I'm, they decided they weren't going to pay. I think it came to something like 160 million pound. They'd already paid 200 million um, for those rights. They decided not to pay 160 million, and I think the total deal is something like 550 or 560 million pound. That, that basically the Premier League just said, "Well, get lost. We're not. We're not interested." But I think that politically, uh, that that particular company. Wanting to save 160 million pound in the bigger scheme of things, that's a drop in the ocean, because that company actually, or that the holding company that owned them, uh, came out and said that they had had a startling year, um, and had their profits had rocketed, and hadn't been affected by COVID whatsoever. In fact, that they, they were now, you know, falling over the cash bags that were stacked up around their feet. Um, so if that's not political pressure that's been put into play, given the comments that were made um, about China and about the uh, issues in Hong Kong, then I don't know what is. Um, what's also interesting is there's three clubs in the Premier League now owned by Chinese companies. One of them's only just come up into the Premier League, uh, West Brom. They're spending money. They've, they've, they've bought another. They've bought player a day. Um, they're spending like 18 million, 20 million. Southampton. Um, a club that that a deal took quite a long time to, to go through, but are now owned eighty percent by a Chinese company. Um, the particular owner of that company uh, has them up for sale. He wants out. He, you know, all the all the all the word coming out of Southampton is he wants out. He, yeah. Does he want out, or is he being told to get out? The third one's Wolverhampton Wanderers, and um, surprisingly, Wolverhampton Wanderers are the only club that hasn't spent any money this season. Uh, in the transfer market, hasn't brought anyone in at all. So again, is that our oh, external pressure has been brought to play at, 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 uh, at Wolverhampton, um, Chinese-owned, uh, Four Sun, big company, uh, plenty of money, but nothing, no movement there. 
it's going to be interesting because I do I do honestly think that when and I had this discussion on Twitter the other day, um, when a Chinese state tells the company to jump, they don't even ask how high they've got to jump. They just jump and jump and jump because that's where the pressure comes from. They know if their if their their government is telling them to do something, they do it. And you know we might not hear that they're being forced to to pull out the Premier League or to give issues or cause issues for the Premier League. Because remember, it's only a couple of weeks ago that uh, they dropped uh, a couple of games. Uh, Arsenal's games were dropped in China um, from a live stream because uh, something that Mesut Ozil had said about the treatment of the Ouija people. Uh, yeah. NBA, they have, they have had, they've been pulled completely because of what Trump has been doing uh, and saying. And uh, they literally just pulled the plug one day and said, that's it. When, you know, And it's, it's very, very popular, basketball, very popular in China and, and watching it. And the government just went, switch the feed off, and it's gone, just like that. And it sounds to me like they're doing exactly the same with the Premier League. And yeah. it's, not the t- it's not the TV companies doing it. It's the state. It's the government. It's the government putting pressure on other countries and other states like America, like the UK, because they've fallen out politically over something. In our case, it's Hong Kong. In the Premier League's case, it could well be because of Ozil in the way that he, he, he mouthed off about the Ouija treatment of the Ouija people. And in America, it's it's the NBA and something that, that, that happened with Trump and embargoes. So politics has a big part to play. A massive big part to play. Um, let's let's see. Let let's see if we get in the next thirty-one days. If if suddenly wolves do go on a massive spending spree, and and Southampton go on a big spending spree, and and wolves co- and and West Brom continue with their spending spree, or let's see whether all of a sudden those clubs are uh, are up for sale soon. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. That's that's for certain. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's get back to you know the. The football, you know, the season's yeah. rapidly approaching, Mitch. And uh, let's look at that Middlesbrough game in particular. Um, you know, 5-1 defeat is never good, uh, you know, at the best of times. But to, you know, uh, a local rival who is currently plying its trade in a in a lower division, it's, uh, it, it borders on embarrassing. The captain getting sent off. Does that tell you that there's maybe a little bit of disharmony amongst the players that, you know, the uncertainty maybe of the takeover is, is getting to them or that maybe that, you know, now that they're settling in under Steve Bruce, they're realising that things aren't as great as they all expected them to be, um, you know, when he when he took over last year. Do you, you know, is there is there something wrong, do you think, maybe, you know, in, 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 the, in the team squad at the moment? Could be all of the above or none of the above. I mean, this is the problem. Um, we don't get anything out of the club anymore. Um... And so there's part of me when I saw that result and looked at the you know reports on it, think, oh, is this a late Norian moment? You know, because it it could be used like that. Um, I just don't know whether that has happened. It doesn't feel like it has. We all knew after that late Norian game, quite clearly something had gone on in the dressing room afterwards and that there was harsh words said and tempers flying and almost to the point of fists flying. Um, and we've had none of that about this. Um, Lascelles getting sent off as, as team captain is a strange one um, because usually he's the 
the leadership influence there. That's what everybody sees and feels from the dressing room. Um, I try not to read too much into it. And I, I really don't try and read too much into preseason friendlies, particularly in this situation that we're in. Um, short preseason, COVID affected. Um, I think this is the reason why the, the NFL interestingly cancelled all their preseason. They're just yeah. going straight into straight into the season. They're, they're, they're doing training camps. They made slight alterations to just how the squads and rosters work. Um, so they've got people who can come in if if say they're hit by COVID or if they're hit by more injuries because they haven't had a preseason. Um, but they've just decided no preseason. We're just going straight into the season. Done. Um, whether it was a case of some of our lot not wanting to get injured because they know how many injuries they're carrying. Yeah. But if you go into a game with that attitude, I, I always, I certainly think one of the worst injuries I ever saw on a football pitch was somebody who dangled his leg into a tackle because he didn't really want to. And then all of a sudden yeah. his foot's pointing in the wrong direction. You know, and, and that that's how some of those injuries happen. Um, and so it, it's really difficult to read too much into it, and I try not to, but it's certainly not a good look. No, no, it's definitely not, is it, Steve? I mean, uh, you know, it, it, the, the main thing is with friendlies, they're there to blow the cobwebs out. And um, as Alan Miller says, you know, the, Mitch has quite rightly pointed out, the uh, the Leighton Orient game was a big turning point in that promotion season. Alan Miller says there's no Kevin Nolan or Joey Barton in the dressing room this time. Is there a big enough character in that in that dressing room? Matt Ritchie, for one, is me. Uh, you know, for me, is one. I, I definitely feel he is. You know, somebody who cares about the club wants to see it do well. Certainly, the club are trying to push him out again um, as part of the make weight for Callum Wilson. But my my understanding is Richie doesn't want to go. He's just signed a new contract. He's happy at Newcastle. Um, but yeah, it's 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 you know it, it's difficult. It's difficult times at the minute, isn't it? With it with the injuries and no goals in the team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what, Alan Alan took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say no no Kevin Nolan, no Joey Barton, no Steve Harper. Those were the three that that sort of led the rebellion and or, or stood up and and told the rest of them where to go, um, and and people cleared out. You know, um, the, looking at the looking at the game, the middle spread game. I think what what scared me the most uh, was that it was we well, playing Neil Warnock's team. <laughs> I thought, Christ, we've just yeah. had five not passed by a team managed by Neil Warnock, and if you look at Borough's results, I think Borough had one. Uh, game where they scored five goals. I've had two games since something like 2018 where they've scored five goals. One I think was against Hartlepool in a preseason friendly, and then I think they had another one uh, last season in a preseason friendly where they scored five. You know, and and didn't concede any. Obviously, that wasn't with Warnock as manager. Um, but apart from that, all all last season, Borough scraped uh, like either one nil wins. Two one wins or one nil defeats. Two nil. Steve, defeats. they were good. They were going down until Warnock came in. Oh yeah. If you look at, look at their form, yeah. they, they were dropping like a stone. That's They'd right. have been playing the Mackhams next season if they'd, yeah. if they'd stuck with uh, Woodgate. That's right. And, and, was, and, and you're right. That's the thing that that threw us. Yeah. It was only other clubs, really. The results of other clubs going the way they did that basically saved them with it with a game to go because you know that mm. their their form themselves was so poor. Um, that and Wigan, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and the Wigan, the Wigan situation, but that that for me was scary, you know. Um, 
it's just. But then, I, even when I mean, even when the team was announced and people were saying, actually, we've put out a decent team there. You know, oh, that, that looks like that looks like a strong lineup. And before you know it, like you know, <laughs> it was Skittles time. You know, I mean, we we only saw. I mean, I I don't know about you two guys. I only saw the goals from a handheld camcorder from behind the goal. You know, so it was it, even then. I think there was one of them where you actually saw it from the other end where somebody broke through, and then I, I couldn't decide whether it was Lejeune or Lascelles that fell over. And then when I saw the half-hearted tackle that went in to try and stop the lad as he was heading into the box, I realised it was Lejeune that had fallen and it was Lascelles that was making the half-handed tackle and the, and the turnaround. It was the turnaround and the pointing and the arms up and the questioning that, that told us it was Lascelles at the end. Um but after that, the goals. I mean, there was. It was just like a free for all. It was just, you know, it was, if you had if you had seen goals like that at Dunstan, Steve, last Friday, or if you see goals like that tonight at Dunstan, you'll be at home, yeah, and you'll, and you'll still be hearing the manager shouting at them while you're back in your living room. Quite frankly, yeah, because it it was you know it was it was shocking. You know, I mean, and yes, we scored one goal, but for me, it's just. You're, you're a professional club. You're a Premier League club. You shouldn't be getting beat. I mean, I, I, if it had been a two-all draw or a three-all draw and it was a competitive game and, you know, on as evening or something, I, I could accept that. If we got beat by one, but they actually get hammered by five. And yeah. then nothing from the club, no sort of, you know, nothing from the manager that says that was absolutely shocking and that's never going to happen again. And don't worry, lad, when you do get back into the ground, I'm not going to be putting up with performances like that either. Nothing at all just washed over and forgotten about, you know, and nothing from any anyone in the press either. No castigating from anyone in the press. None of the local press guys having a go. None of the, none of the, the broadsheet uh, national guys having a go, you know. Just silence. Well, yeah, well, the castle not bothered. As we know, uh, Steve Bruce has got form for losing derby matches five one. I was at one of the greatest ones, of course, when uh, Halloween uh, Newcastle beat Steve Bruce's Sunderland five one. So uh, we shouldn't have been too surprised. Josh Blakey, he asks an interesting question, which uh, will certainly get us three talking. Uh, how do you think Mike Ashley plays the short term, Mitch? If we start like we finished last year, four wins in twenty one, does he shrug his shoulders with the I'm going mindset, or does he act on Steve Bruce to protect the value in his asset? Great question, Josh. Um, Mitch, you first. My personal take on that, he's got form for doing this before. Remember when he went out in the January and splashed some cash uh, and brought uh, uh, Sissoko and, uh, and others in, um, and that made the difference to the team. Um, he, he surely must see that at this moment in time, the asset that is Newcastle United that will release as it stands with the deal that's on the table, 300 million. Um, that, that asset needs protecting. He's not going to get that amount of money for the club in the championship. Hmm. Um, so it could be a case of um, if we start off horrendously and we look like we're going to drop like a stone, it does motivate them to act. He's got He's got form for it. Um, you just don't know where his mindset is because I'm quite sure part of the problem for everything at the minute is he just wasn't expecting to be here. Yeah. And nobody was expecting to be here at this point. Um, which is why, you know, there's, there's certainly plenty of rumbles about what he may or may not be doing 
uh, in the background as well. And so, yes, I, th I think if he sees there's even a vague chance he's going to lose that asset, he will try and protect it in some way. Um, you don't get to the position that he's in financially by being an idiot all your life. Yeah. Steve, what's your take on this? I think I think it, it's unquestionable that he would act. You know, he, he would have to act, as Neil says, to protect his asset. And if he's got any doubts about him, he'd be looking back and he'd be going, when was the last time that this team actually put in a decent performance? When was that the mm. last time this manager actually put a team out to put in a decent performance? And I think you could go back to as far as last December, where we, where we got a win just before Christmas. And then after that, it was Leicester, 3 now New Year's Day. And then we had the terrible performances in the Cup, both third and fourth round where we were taking the replays by lesser teams, where we, where we managed to scrape a 94th-minute goal against Chelsea, who completely turned over for the previous 93 minutes and 50 mm -hmm. seconds. Um, and then through from lockdown onwards, uh, the, the project restart, where we managed to win two games out out of what eight two wins out of nine, mm. two in a draw, and I and I'm looking at, at the form guide, and I'm thinking, how are you, Bruce? This is like you know, this is this has been going on since Christmas, and if he starts off bad, mm. and he shouldn't, by the way, because there is you look at the fixtures that we've got, and you look at last season against the same teams, and you know we picked up, you know what. I think we picked up something like twelve points out of the first out of what would have been the results against the first six or seven fixtures that we've got. So in in theory, we should be sitting on twelve points after those six games against that opposition. Um, but will we? Because the form guys tell them we're not, and that's mm -hmm. scary. That's the scary bit, and that's the asset that he should be protecting. And yes, we've got an lock tour about to make transfers. And to, and to bring in new signings, but if we start off badly, I think Bruce is under immense pressure. Well, immense, and we've and got I, another. Sorry, Neil. We've, we've got another problem as well. And right. I think it was Josh, Josh who made the comment earlier on the screen too. That was squad size from our squad management. We sign another four players. We've got what then? We've got to get rid of six. Yeah. to get to that squad uh, size. Um, and that just shows the squad management over the last two years has been absolutely abysmal. Yeah. That's yeah, why clear. we don't have a why we don't have a decent left back and don't have a straight out and score with ten to twenty goals. That's right. That's right. And the players who they'll be out of contract next could cause it, you know, could create a massive problem. But could of course create a big problem. This is the problem we have when a takeover is still in the offing and, um, you know, you've got an owner who doesn't think he'll be there or is hoping he won't be there because that won't be his issue. So, you know, just got to hope that, you know, that that does resurrect its head and that we end up in a position where, you know, we, you know, we have a takeover and all of these things become a, a you know, a distant, a distant memory. David Crone says, here's a random question for the lads. If a takeover went through in the near future, do you think Sky would scramble to shoehorn a few of our games into the schedule we have been omitted from? Great question, David. Neil, 
it's um it's something which been a bone of contention you know with with everybody since the fixtures were announced um none of us can go to any games now none of us can watch any games yeah. legally because we haven't been chosen we haven't been chosen for televisation yeah. If the takeover went through, and it is a good question, do you think there'd be a sudden change? Do you think there'd be a sudden be. change of narrative and a sudden change of direction and suddenly they can fit these games in? That, Steve, there could be. Because um, my experience of dealing with Sky, and, and Steve will remember this, during our promotion season uh, under Hutton, uh, when we were going into the running and they weren't sure which game would be the one that was going to be see were promoted. I think they messed around with our fixtures where fans had booked tickets and time off work and hotels and places like Plymouth and Cardiff. Um, and they were shifting them at like four days notice. And at the time I was chair, chair the, the, the fledgling trust and we wrote to Sky and the Football League and the only reply we got was off the football league, and they basically said, "Sky do what they want." Yeah, Sky do what they want, and and I don't see how nine nine year on plus uh, ten year on that's any different. In fact, if anything, they've probably got a bigger grip on the game. So if they yeah. suddenly drop that bait and decide, "Oh my God, we need to get these guys on telly because of what's happened and because of the everything that all the shenanigans that's been happening," of course they will. Because at the end of the day, when we're bouncing, we're box office for Sky. Yeah. Because they can get that pundits on, tr trotting out all the lazy diatribe stereotypes about us and about our expectations and our demands, and they'll be ramped up to the max. They'll have Sooner sitting there telling telling everybody what a horrible place and difficult place it is to go because of the fans and their expectations. Um, they'll probably have little Dennis Wise on with his two-two penneth about Mike Ashley's exit and all of that. And if you don't have it, I'll have it out here with bloody keys and grey. Um, yeah. Rude Hullard. Yeah. I, Bellamy. Although to, be, to be fair, when Rude's on over here, he's always quite complimentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, they'll do it at the drop of a hat because they don't care about us. And in particular, if the grounds are still closed, then that's one less thing for them to worry about. Yeah. But they'll not be doing it for our benefit. No. It's nothing no, to do with us. Would it surprise you, Steve, if that happened, though, that, you know, the takeover goes through and suddenly Newcastle's flavour of the month and they want to be, they want to be televised now again? I think they will. But I also think that that it'll probably be taken out of their hands because I wouldn't be surprised if before next weekend they announced that all the games are going to be televised in one shape or form um, because the, even the government's putting them under pressure because the government doesn't want the aggro. They doesn't, they, they, they're sick of Newcastle fans writing letters to them. They don't want letters coming from all the other clubs <laughs> that are not being televised because coincidentally, that as we've seen, it's the top five, top six They've got all their games on. You know, they're, they're on every game so far. You know, uh, the cartel have, have struck. They're happy, so you know it's like they're content. Nothing else happens. Um, in in the Premier League, from what from what we gather from the reports that came out yesterday at, at the at the at the meeting, 
Um, it seemed to be the clubs themselves that seemed to be always being put out, that it was the clubs themselves who didn't want the games televised, um, all the games televised, and that broadcasters were, were keen for it to happen. Um, but it was the clubs themselves, which I, all I can think of is the clubs didn't want the hassle of, of having to look at, from a COVID perspective, more TV crews, more reporters, um, more commentators coming in, um, the hassle that it, that it creates uh, outside where the, where the camera crews are all based and all that type of thing. Um, that's all I could imagine it could be um, for, a, for not showing a live game because if the broadcasters were, were keen for it to happen, uh, why would it be the clubs that weren't? Um, yeah. and, and again, maybe it was because there was nothing in it financially for those clubs because they weren't actually going to be shown on Sky or on, uh, you know, or Sky were going to turn around and go, well, actually, the, the games that we've already that we've already allocated are the ones you get your million quid for. All the others, you, yes, you can be on for the fans, but you. As a as a club, you'll not benefit financially from it, you know. Um, maybe it's that, or maybe it's the clubs like Newcastle who still got members of staff on furlough. Maybe they didn't want the hassle of then having to go into actually putting something out that allowed us to pay five quid or ten quid for the for the stream. Maybe they're not geared up for that yet. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing these things out, but it seemed very very. Very strange uh, of a statement. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if next week when the meet that they do announce that, yeah, if you want to stream it, you can. If you want, it, if you want it, you can. It seems utterly ridiculous to me why there's no supporters in the ground. So there's no way that you can say Newcastle's 3pm kickoff is going to affect another club's attendance. Yes. Um, that they kind of find a way to get around that. And yet here I am sat three and a half thousand miles away and I can take the pick and watch everything. And that's an absolute nonsense. It just, it makes a mockery of the whole setup and about where fans rank yeah. to the guys in charge of the game in, 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 the, in England. Um, they don't give an absolute flying monkeys about us. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I think the three o'clock sacrosanct uh, timing was, it's a throwback to the 1960s when TV, the very first televised game was shown. And they said, I think there was two games were televised in that season. And it was, it was Bob Lord, who was the then uh, chairman of Burnley. Uh, I think mm. he was like, like all these guys, he was a butcher or something, wasn't he? You know, and and he he was the one with the rest of the Lancashire clubs that stuck out and said because the, at the time in that particular period there was a lot of clubs together in Lancashire who fans would move between or potentially could move between or attendances could be affected um, if one of those teams were then broadcast on the TV. You know, if it was a Manchester United or if it was at the time a, a, a Blackpool um, or a Preston or a Burnley, or a, 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 a Blackburn, something like that. They're all very close together. And it was Bob Lord who who insisted with the rest of the hierarchy of the Football League at the time that we had this, you had to protect the three o'clock because you were protecting potentially the other 90 clubs in the league from their attendance. Um, 
because it was something new. It was TV. It was the opportunity to watch a game in your living room, those of you that had TVs, you know. And now in the in the crazy world of, of digital media, um, and I don't know about you, but I, I, if, if I had the chance to go to the match, and I, was, I would expect that from the vast majority of Newcastle fans, if I had the chance to go and watch Newcastle at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, and we're all allowed in, but Man United were playing Arsenal at three o'clock, that I would stay in the pub to watch Man United v Arsenal. No, I'm still going to watch Newcastle. And I can't think, I, I don't know another Newcastle fan that would stay in the pub to watch Man United v Arsenal or City v Chelsea. You just wouldn't do it. You go and, you go and watch your own team. The armchair well, fans, if there's such a thing, fair enough. But they're not going to the game anyway. Yeah. I, I can give you an example, though. Um... We played Hull, um, and I was down there with Jamie Fender and, and a few of the other lads. And me and Jamie were standing watching the game. And it, the game before the Hull game on the telly was Man U Liverpool. And there was a couple there, husband and wife, and I think he had a Man U shirt on, she had a Liverpool shirt on, and they were holding hands watching the game. All right, well, we've seen some things in my time. Here's another example. Yeah. That game finished. They got, went into her bag, they got two Hull shirts out and put them on over the top of the Man U and the Liverpool shirts. This, we asked Jim, true story. And we were like, what? And, and off they go to watch the whole game. So maybe there is a fan base out there who would prefer to sit and watch the Man U Liverpool at three o'clock and go and watch their own team. But certainly... It, us and you know you, you, you couldn't see even the Mackhams doing something like that, could you? It's just, absolutely no. mental. Yeah. Absolutely mental. No. I can't believe that. Um, yeah, it, it is bizarre. We've got thirty minutes left, guys. Because as, as I said, I've, I'm going to have to watch Dunstan play more. But so uh, last half hour, please keep your questions coming in and uh, please hit the like button. It doesn't take you two seconds to do it. Just hit the thumbs up. Uh, over 107 people have done so already, with over well, nearly 500 people watching again. I'm, we're always thankful for that, honestly, guys. Mm. Um, it means means a lot that people, you know, we know you've got a lot of choice, but the fact that you take up uh, a little bit of your time on a Friday night to watch us does mean a lot. So thanks very much. Um, let's talk about the, 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 the cartel meeting, um, that, that, that took place this week and, uh, they were defeated, Steve, uh, yeah. substitutions, um, you know, the, the cartel wanted five substitutes next season to make it a bit easier so that they could get all that, that flash new signings on. Uh, but it's got defeated three substitutes We're we're staying as it is good, good news. Yeah, absolutely. Good news. I think, uh, 11 to nine apparently was the vote. So it was pretty close. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't done on a on anything other than a majority vote. Second time round, of course, because of that, you know, been a bit. Of, there's obviously been a bit of lobbying gone on. Uh, but nine clubs wanted it, and eleven didn't. Um, I, you know what? I, I would turn it on his head. I, I, I find the squad. Obviously, you've got a squad. Um, I'm, I would be quite happy if you were allowed to have. 30 in your squad or 35 in your squad because you've bought those players. I'd be quite happy that you could choose, but you could still only choose the, the number on the bench. You know, the seven, whatever it is now on the bench, in the, of which you played mm-hmm. uh, three substitutes. But I, 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 find the, I find the size of the squad where you have to whittle it down to 25 rather odd. 
Um, and if I was going to suggest a change, it would, it, especially for this season, especially with COVID and, and especially when we've, we've, we're starting again so quickly after the last, and, you know, we're talking about injuries and such like, I would have, I would have heard on that side, that would be something I would have been lobbying for if I was part of the club rather than, rather than actually using five substitutes in a game, you know? Because I think if you're buying players and you and you, ha- you need a you need a squad, it it I mean we've got players that that are, as you said we're we're going to be at least six over, and you're never going to you can't get rid of them because no one would buy them unless you're going to give them and cancel their their contracts. So they're just going to sit picking up the money, taking this taking the wage. I'd rather those players were used in some way, shape, or form, or available to be used in some way, shape, or form. You know, and and. And and slot in and and you know use them, and and possibly even have a go back to having a proper under twenty threes or, or what we used to call the reserve team where they played mm. fixtures, you know, um, because it seemed it seems mental, for, you know. I mean, we, we had we had the the ginger uh, Perlo who was out for an entire season, you know, it was picking up forty fifty grand. Yeah, a, a, yeah, a week, you know, um, and and was pointless. Savvy, I mean, Savvy's had two appearances since twenty seventeen, you know, crazy, absolutely crazy that you that you lumbered with that. Surely you could use him if he was available, and you and you know injuries or you know squad rotation or something like that. Um, especially when you lose the likes of Paul Dummett and he's out for the whole season and you cannot replace him in your squad. You know, you have to find a youngster that you haven't got to play in that position. So you then have to swap over and, and, and balance and that type of thing, you know. But getting back to the point, yeah, absolutely great that the cartel lost out. Um, yeah. And let's, I wouldn't be surprised if it came back, mind. I think with, with all of these things, you wouldn't be surprised if they had another shot at it between now and the start of the season. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, just a couple of points before I ask you about that, Mitch. And that's yes. Uh, what was who asked the question? Uh, does it cost to subscribe to the channel? No, it's free. Um, we are going to be introducing something in the next week or so on the channel where you can, you know, you can donate something towards it. Um, you know, as things are getting, uh, you know, things are getting on, we might be able to improve the show and improve the improve the channel. So yeah, we might introduce that, but it'll always remain free. Uh, it won't cost anybody anything to watch. I know there is adverts when you don't watch live. That's unfortunate. That's how that's how we generate a little bit of cash, but it does it does all help uh, during the period of lockdown. And as I say, we might be able to make it bigger and better. Who knows? We might be able to fly over to see Neil because I don't think Neil will want to fly over here and suffer this weather in the winter. But me and uh, Steve could jump on a plane and go and do one live together. We'll get, um, we'll get Stu, Stu Perman over from Bahrain again and we can have another week of the George Best Tribute Act that we've just been doing. Exactly. Um, that sounds fantastic, by the way. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't cost anything. Book in for me dialysis next week. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it tr- uh, Trulls Hagen Christiansen. That's who was who asked. No, it doesn't cost you anything to, to sub. Uh, a couple of people saying we should do the show twice a week. It's something we could look at. Certainly, we've really enjoyed it. And Dan Hunt has finally realised uh, my beard's gone. Yeah, I had a shave uh, the other night, which went uh, which went down a storm. It has to be said with Gibbo and Super Mac, and uh, would 
most of the questions that night were about me beard, why I grew it, what what was I doing. So yeah, <laughs> fantastic that uh, my facial hairs actually, uh, uh, you know, created such a store, uh, stir. But Mitch, yeah, the, the three substitutes, um, I'm pleased with that because I, I agree. There's a few people saying it would have essentially, uh, it would have essentially slowed the game down, and you know, there, there was no need for it. It was a temporary, a temporary suggestion, uh, you know, during the COVID break. But you know, I'm I'm happy with three. Are you? The one thing that reassures me that with this vote is that there remains some sort of um, checks and balances still somewhere in there within the Premier League. It's really very, very, very um, uh, frustrating because this cartel feeling has grown. <clears throat> and, I, and I get why that, that feeling has grown over the last few months in particular. Yeah, it slowed the game down. <clears throat> I still believe the, the 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 water breaks halfway through the half was an experiment to see how we would react to the game going to quarters. I think they've, they've found ways to try things that somebody in the football hierarchy somewhere could see as an ab- advertising opportunity, for example. Yes, yeah. First quarter break sponsored by Tag Heuer or whatever, you know. Um... I've see, see, I see these things in American sport. I mean, people may know follow on Twitter. I follow American football quite closely, and a lot of the things that they introduce, everything is sponsored. You know, the video referee is sponsored. The coin toss at the start of the game is sponsored. Everything is sponsored. Um, and in terms of commercialism, our game is such starting to catch that up, and in other ways ex- exceed it, particularly in terms of TV rights. Um, because it's a more global game. And so I'm, I'm pleased to see that the, the Premier League clubs can actually put some sort of breaks on things that the big clubs, when they stamp their feet and say, we want to go and vote again, they're told, no, the vote stands and it's a majority vote end of. Uh, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that as well. A lot of people asking tonight as well about the whole, uh, you know, the, the transfer saga and that this left back was brought in. Um, again, we mentioned it earlier on the program. None of us knew anything about him. Um, he could be good. He could be absolutely useless. Um, somebody suggesting that because Steve Nixon scouted him, that it could be the left back equivalent of Joe Linton. Uh, let's <laughs> let's hope not. Perhaps he can score goals. Maybe he can. Maybe he can. By a striker that can't, a left back that can. That would be, you know, wonderfully ironic. Every, every, every other. Let's face it. Every, every other player that uh, you know that comes in in the back four has managed to score goals under Steve Bruce. So that 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 could be the way forward. Spudzy asks us a, a completely different question. I like it when we go down these routes. If you if you three guys could bring anyone back now to Newcastle in their prime, who would it be? Mine would be Gaza. He says mine. Quite obviously, would be Alan Shearer because we need a goal scorer. Um, Steve, uh, off the top of my head, Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley, Mitch, what about you? Well, like you, if we were to bring him back for this current team, that you'd need Shearer. You'd need yeah. someone who could score goals on his own, uh, create goals for other people, uh, and, and be a proper number nine. If it was drop any player from the past in the frame into a better team than what we've got at the minute, I still have a big soft spot for a French maverick. And it would have to be Ginola. 
<laughs> All right, okay. Yeah, good shout. I hope that answers your question. Howen Roberts says, one for Steve. Do you know if there are any ex-player golf days? Yeah, they, they are. Uh, there's some really big ones. Alan Shearer does an annual event uh, for the Alan Shearer Foundation, which is always very good, but a tad expensive for uh, people in, um, you know, you know, you know, normal football supporters. There are loads that, you know, over the you know, over the years, I've I've played in a couple, I've seen a couple, I've prom, you know promote I'll promote a couple. You know, Glenn McCrory's done a few over the years, uh, but there's there is so many. Um, I think there's probably you know it, certainly you're talking three figures each year, different people, different charities who who do them. The, the, I think there even used to be a Newcastle Sunderland Old Boys one. I'm not sure if that's still ongoing with the likes of Bob Monker and Pop Robson playing. I think that's organised through the club. Steve Hasty and Nodden. I think I'm. I think I am right. Yeah, I know the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation used to do one. Um, mm-hmm. they, they used to have a have a golf day, uh, and I'd, I'd, I think there was also a a one that was done in the name of Sir Bobby that was over in Portugal, wasn't it? Um, I think they, there used to be a tournament that, that that took place. I can't recall it happening this year, obviously because of COVID. But I, I, you know, I'm aware that uh, there was a lot of a lot of the sort of ex-managers that, that used to turn up, the likes of Allardyce, people like that, and, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that would throw the hat into the ring and, and, and go and play golf. It was probably Alan Brazil and people like that you'd have to drink with, which means that, you know, a little bit more competition for Mitch and, and, and Stewie if they're going to go out on a drinking session. <laughs> but I, I think even those two could probably drink Alan Brazil under the table, given what we've seen this week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what uh, just out of interest, Mitch? What prompted this? Uh, you know, it's, it's actually causing more debate on Twitter than it is on anything else. I've seen I, I, more articles on that than I've seen on this new left back. <laughs> I, I was speaking to Sue and his lovely wife Maria yesterday about it. It's like how much interest can there be on two mates on the lash on Twitter? I mean, that, that's pretty much all it was. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he moved to Bahrain about eighteen months ago, and it's his first time back in Dubai. Um, ah. Right, okay. The first opportunity when it opened the flights between Bahrain and Dubai and the movement was a bit easier. Um, he took the opportunity to come back and see everybody. And so we've had a, a proper catch-up in a real good few days and some real good laughs. And, you know, what you need during such rubbish times um, is you get your mates together and I've caught up with people I've not seen in ages. Um, it's a shame that a couple of lads who were here are now out of the country and they couldn't have joined as well because it would have been even better. Uh, but yeah, yeah just, it's, been, it's been good to catch up. I mean, I, to be honest, I did I did that this weekend. I had a catch up with people who I hadn't seen for a long time. But the, the bad idea was to go out and d- then come back for an hour and do a podcast with uh, Super Mac and Gibbo. So to be honest, I, f- <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I was getting my own back on uh, Gibbo, to be honest, because he's done that to me a few times at live events. Like, But uh, I, I handled it quite well, although me, me, me wife and family thought uh, I was absolutely mental doing that. But I thought, well, you know, why not? It's, uh, it's I, If it's acceptable for Neil Mitchell, it's acceptable for me. I remember doing a live event with Gibbo and Steve. Was it the one in Gosforth, Steve, where he, he, he went on a little bit of a rant and he used, a, used a, a particularly non-PC phrase out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> For about 10 minutes, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> yeah. there, was another, there was another one over, uh, I think it was, uh, what? Uh, just past Palmersville, wasn't it? Just as we moved through Palmersville. Oh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Where was that? Um, <laughs> where Boundary Mills is down that way on, uh, and we went we went to one down there. And uh, again, he was on on absolute tip top form. 
Um, but it was the flow of red uh, white wine, wasn't it, that uh, that, uh, that him lubricated. But it was great. Yeah, I mean, all those ones that we did with Gibbo, all those road shows where Gibbo turned up, John Anderson, you know, quite a few ex players who give that time for free to 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 help promote. Uh, NUSC, the Supporters Club, which obviously came about following what is what twelve years ago this this week. Uh, right. Egan got the push, you know, and and we all we all started uh, to really sort of stamp our feet and 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 the call the arms that came from that particular weekend, you know. Uh, and you look back and you think, DMA, what you know? I went any further forward twelve years later. Um, but yeah, there were great times. But it, 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 I mean, what from from Berwick and Bambra right the way down to to, to Bishop Auckland. I think we travelled, you know, um, over a over a period of months, uh, sometimes two and three times a week. The lads put the put the graft in and put the hard yards in, um, and be perfectly honest, we heard the same thing right across everywhere we went, and we we heard the same enthusiasm for the black and white stripes that we're still here today. Um, we didn't hear the same enthusiasm uh, for 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 the for the owner um, naturally, uh, or we did with the same non enthusiasm for the owner. The attitudes were still there among the fan base as we are now, but we still supported the, the club and we still supported the team. We still supported the black and white stripes. Um, I worry sometimes that we're now in a situation where you know fans are are, are leaving in droves. Um, and you know, okay, that they're going to follow non-league, or they're going to, you know, do other things. And I, I worry that once this is all over, um, whether those fans will be coming back, um, or we're going to lose another generation. But more importantly, are we going to gain a generation? I think that's the hard bit. You can you can lose a generation, and normally you would gain a generation at the at the bottom end. You know, people handing their tickets over to their sons or their grandkids and that type of thing. Um, I worry that the people that we're losing now. Um, won't be replaced, um, especially if the if the current regime stays in place, and that's why, mm. if anything, I've still you know I've still got my heart set on a on a takeover of some in some way, shape, or form for the football club, just for the life of the football club, just for the lifeblood of the supporters, and and to give us that spur, and and listening to you two guys, I. I hope you're right. I really do because I, I worry that if it doesn't happen, uh, where the club long term is heading and where the water base is heading, um, a deteriorating, a getting older, and a loss making fan base. You know, I think it's quite sad. Yeah, that's the big concern, and uh, you know the fact that we had to give ten thousand season tickets away last season, Mitch, is something which never really, yeah. uh, it never really gets mentioned. You know that whenever there's this uh, comment by the the media, you know I've seen it on various networks over the last over the last twelve months. You know, at fifty two thousand, it's a sellout. It's it's not. You know, there's ten thousand tickets given away, wasn't there last season? It, it did fly under the radar a little bit. Um... For one reason or another, and then Steve's right to say that worry about a generational loss. Again, picking up from going around talking to people during those roadshows, I'll never forget going to all sorts of different places and hearing the same thing from a certain generation of fans, and there were the ones who left after Gordon Lee and Superman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was yeah. I don't I don't know whether uh, Malcolm 
has ever touched on this when he spoke to you about it because obviously he was away from the club. But there was certainly a, a, a generation, and it was usually the similar four guys sat on a table at the front of one of the roadshows and they had plenty to say and plenty to talk about and a lovely Castle United, but they'd never set foot in St James's Park yeah. again since Super Macler. Then there yeah. was definitely a generational hiatus then. And we're going to get the same again. But this this time, I think for the club, it could be much more devastating. Yeah, I agree, Steve. <laughs> uh, it, 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 yeah, John's missing the Badiga more. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think, Steve. I think, Steve. That's the big concern, isn't it? That you know, yeah. we, we, it, like you just mentioned, it's losing that particular generation, and and you know, we're going through that phase again of you could walk through a park where kids are playing football, and there's more Man City, Liverpool, and Man United tops than there is Newcastle tops now. Whereas back in the nineties, under Keegan, we had that renaissance where. We were everyone's favourite second team and kids were wearing the top. They were proud to wear it, the Newcastle top. Yeah, absolutely. And and you go back, I mean, I know that we've, we've as supporters, we've been treated badly uh, over the years. I mean, you go back to, I mean, I talked about Freddie Fletcher last week and I talked about the Save Our Seats campaign and, you know, my brother was one of the guys who, you know, and, and his crowd that, that moved, they had their, their seats were moved and they never felt as though they were part of the club after they'd moved seats because they were scattered to the four winds and the only time they got together was either pre or post match. They weren't together during the game because they weren't allocated seats together anymore. And it was part of that camaraderie that they had. And um you know that they still talk about it now. I mean Brilla Brilla Jed still talks about it. You know, he still talks about the times that they had with 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 Stevie and, and the rest of the lads that they went to uh, the game with, you know? Um and how they miss it. They all miss it. Um, whether he's, you know, he's, he, he looks back now and he thinks, I wonder whether any other lads would come back. And they, they probably would all come back for the drink uh, because the post match and, and pre match uh, camaraderie was would, would always be there. It was, it's whether they can stomach what's inside the ground, whether they can stomach the, the, the performances, whether they, whether they want to be part of it any again, you know. Um, I mean, one of the lads, Greg, he comes up with his, with his son. Um, and they, they travel up from London and come to you know try to come to three or four games a season. And the little lad loves it. I'm sure Greg loves it as well, but I think the little lad loves it more. But that's only three or four times a season when they can manage to get tickets. They actually go to more away games uh, and pick up pick, pick up tickets whether they get them either in among the Newcastle fans or, or in among the home fans. You know for the London games. But there's still the excitement there. There's still the buzz. Um, but it's whether it transfers to match day and and the changes that people have been have made to their life, the changes that they've made in that in that that social circle. Um because I love going to match and, and I love after the match with, with all my pals that we've gone, you know, since well we were together since like 1974, 73 on the terraces, you know, and the Gallagher end. And I love I love the I love the I love the crack and I love after the game chatting about it, the game and then the staying out until half past nine, ten, eleven, you know, whatever, you know, still sitting in the strawberry at half past eleven and Caroline uh, trying to throw out the door because we're in a drunken stupor, you know? Um and I, I, I the only thing that's the thing that's bothering us is like 
Will 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 some of the lads be will be joining with this season? The lads who have already said they've wrapped their tickets in. Will they, will they come back? Do, you know, will they just turn up after the game? Um, what will they miss? Um, I just find it. I find it so depressing at times when I think about. I try not to think about, it, and that's why I'm hoping that, like I said earlier, I'm hoping that that the confidence that you two guys have got in the takeover uh, does come about. It, at some point in time, and that we can get, we can get that, we can get something back. I, I don't necessarily think we we need to get back that we're going to be sitting top of the league or anything like that. I just want, I just want what that match day experience was like, and wanted to return, and I want that buzz and that excitement. And I want my nephews to to un, to understand why we got excited when we did at their age, and then beyond, why we were excited during the entertainers, why we were excited going to Wembley. The fact that we went to Wembley, you know, twice on the trot or three times if you count the semi-final, um, then going back in in two thousand and five, the fact that we had a football club that actually wanted to or had the ability to get to FA Cup finals, the fact that we could go abroad to watch Newcastle United play, you know, whether it was in in Barcelona or Marseille or whether it was in Germany, you know, I've actually over the last few years I've seen. I've seen more German football live than I have Newcastle in terms of away games, you know, um, because I've, I've had the opportunity because I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity for the senior castle in Europe uh, for so long now. And I still, you know, we, we've gone as a group to, to Germany. We've gone to Leverkusen and we've gone to Schalke and places like that and, and made a weekend of it and, and, and thoroughly enjoyed the whole atmosphere, the whole from the Friday to the Monday when you come back. But I want my pals, I want hey, Sonny, I, I want Sonny to to, to 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 be appreciating and 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 have his own season ticket and be able to take when he gets older, because he's a good little footballer, but I want him to have the opportunity to go and, and enjoy watching some of the class defenders that by watching them he could benefit from. You know, and have that enthusiasm, and maybe he's want to put the Newcastle shirt on at some point in time, rather than, well, I'm not, I'm not interested. You know, that's 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 what new ownership could bring. I'm hoping that that it could bring to, to Newcastle United again, and to the region, and to the city. Regardless yeah. of that, I'm talking about investment in in the region, the investment is in the people. The investment is in. In my hearts, you know, get get that get what we've got in my hearts back out there into the community, into the football club, and get what the taste proper football again and the excitement of a match day. That's what it's about. That's what Newcastle's about. Yeah, yeah, and Mitch, I would agree. I mean, I, Steve Steve's nailed it there, hasn't he? Really, that's that is Absolutely. what Newcastle United is all about. Spot on. You know, I, I see, I see names flick up in here. John Melrose is this one. Lads, I've been all over the country with and we've all got tales and that camaraderie you can hear you can there with your mates and however many times we say that was a great weekend spurred by 90 minutes of football I've seen somebody talking about going from Portugal to Cardiff in four days yep we did that um, and you talk to younger fans um, trying to explain to my daughter who's nine you know um she was so was watching something on on YouTube about the uh, the Barcelona game. When did we play Barcelona? You know, it's like okay, history lesson thing. Uh, and it would be nice 
to pass that back on on um, to let our Joss go and do some of the things I did at his age. And, and as he, he's in, <laughs> hmm? right, well, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. That's another matter. Uh, Tracy's mother would kill him. Um, it's, um, but yeah, it, it's that that feeling that that you kind of pass. Is is the baton going to be passed? Yeah. He goes with his mates and he loves it, um, and it's great. But you kind of do wonder: is that going to dwindle if something doesn't happen soon? And are we going to lose that generation? And it's frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, as we say, I know there's been equal equal amount of people on the channel tonight saying, you know, I, I saw one quote. Anyone who thinks that the uh, takeover is going to go ahead on mushrooms. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, we've all, we're all entitled to opinions. You know, some of us have got a little bit more information coming in than others. And uh, let's just hope. Let's just hope. Look, we've still got hope. We have got hope of a takeover still going through. And if it doesn't happen, we're stuck with Ashley. The club will always be there. And, and I think Steve's made quite a passionate um, speech, which a lot of you have appreciated again tonight. And, um, you know, that's the one thing that Mike Ashley can never take away. You know, what we feel about the city, what we feel about the club. And, uh, you know, from our perspective, you know, we're, we're all living in hope that the takeover can go through and we can see some great days again at St. James's Park. So, so fingers crossed. A lot of people again saying great show, lads. Very kind of you. Thanks, Paul. He says great show, lads. How are the lads? Mark, uh, another cracking show tonight. Cheers, lads. It's very nice. We, you know, we do enjoy we we do enjoy doing it. Obviously, the games are coming up again in the next couple of weeks as well. So I'm sure we'll be doing the pre-match and the after-match as well. As long as we can, we'll do it. Um, we do enjoy doing this. We, we're just saying off air before that it's the one show that we, you know, that I enjoy doing. So you know, as if we ever get back to some kind of normality, I'm sure that uh, I, I won't be able to do seven a night. But this is the one I would love to keep on because I do do thoroughly enjoy doing it. And uh, yeah, the clock has beaten us again tomorrow. I have got uh, Peter Hooten on. Um, it's a pre-record. I did it. I did it about ten days ago, um, and yeah, great, great interview with Peter Hooten. Nice to get somebody from the spirit of Shankly uh, on. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about his career. It's thirty years. It, I interviewed him thirty years to the day that I interviewed him for a fanzine. I went to Liverpool when I did the uh, the Mighty Quinn, and, and I interviewed him in a bar in Liverpool. And it was actually thirty years to the day since I'd first interviewed him. So it's great, great, well worth a watch, and. Um, that, that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow, five o'clock. A lot of people asking about Lee Clark. Lee's had a couple of issues, nothing major uh, as far as he's concerned, but a couple of issues which I can't really go into. That's why he hasn't been able to come back on. A lot of people asking about Lee. I will pass on all the comments. He will be coming back on, guys. Um, just a couple of things going on which uh, I can't really discuss. But uh, but yeah, he's um, you know he, he will be back on the show at some point. A lot of people asking about Michael Chopra. Uh, maybe he's just dropping a tweet. Um, I, you know, Michael, of course, won't come on until things are resolved either way. But I think it seems to have been resolved anyway by Mike Ashley. But we'll see what happens. Uh, lads, as always, have a good week. Yeah, and, um, uh, I'll tell uh, you what, Steve, only show so far that I've come across, right across all the social media and TV that said that Lionel Messi would stay at Barcelona. Got three out of three last week, didn't we? And I think that's what has been proved. So I think, we've, uh, if anything... We've got one thing right. The three of us have got one thing right over the last seven days, which is more than the <laughs> Castle managed anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I'm pretty sure Neil Warnock said it as well because he's the he's the go-to man for information on Newcastle United, isn't he? So uh, yeah. great stuff, lads. As always, have a good week, and I'll see you again next Friday. Take care. Cheers, lads. Take care, lads. Bye, bye. Yeah.